Welcome to Pure Health Podcast. Your weekly guide on how to live a healthy whole food life. Where two clinical nutritionist sisters, Kirsty and Nicole, talk about their experience in the clinic looking into gut health, women's health and weight loss. Plus, unfiltered banter behind the scenes of work, life and play. Welcome back, guys. Welcome. I'm laughing Nicole as we're doing this introduction because she's busy sniffing a bottle of lavender oh, oil. It's actually <laughs> Therapeutic. <laughs> Lavender oil is am- like we wait, yeah, it's, it's like amazing for anxiety. Calming. Yeah, it is. It's really good. I'm a bit so, yeah, this how are you morning. feeling today? <laughs> Everything in love's annoying me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, those moods and you just like feel you overwhelmed. Just, yeah, that's Nicole today. So many tasks on, and I need to just take my own advice and just like surrender. That, surrender. It's funny we take turns in that. Like some weeks I'm having a melt, being like ah shit. And like then some ways you're having a melt, but I feel super chill this week. I'm like, yep. Yeah. Let's be solution focused, chill vibes. Like I go yeah. through waves sometimes. Yeah. That's but all being human. is well. All is well. All is well in our, the world. If you haven't checked out our TikTok or um clinic or any of our Instagram pages, you'll see the clinic fit out is right underway. Very I exciting. Know. It's actually gone up really fast. Yeah, Kirsten and I, I saw it. Uh, Tuesday night, yeah. Monday night. I wasn't expecting it to be like, and all, like everything was fully up. Like all uh, the walls were like, what? I know. It and I was a bit worried that some of the rooms would be too small, but they're actually really good. Yeah, they're I mean, perfect. Yeah, cool. In a perfect world, you have them bigger, but like sometimes bigger is not better as well. No, and I mean for like our consulting, mm, like you only fine. need a like you know a couch or yeah a desk or whatever. Yes. Um, and so you guys would have seen that since we've had a new social media manager. Um, we are doing like a weekly theme now every week at Pure Health for like a topic that goes out on our socials. We're doing like blog posts, mm-hmm. um, EDMs or like email marketing. <laughs> Emails that come out to you guys. Sorry, they're called EDMs. Um, Does that stand for anything? I think it's email direct marketing, but I feel like that's wrong. But it's that's yeah. what EDM. Anyway, um, you get like emails coming out. And like So there's just lots of stuff. So um, if you want to um, subscribe to our um, – mailing list you'll get like some really good recipes and things like that but um yeah so this week's um this week's schedule or this week's theme of the week is gut health Mm -hmm. and we thought what better topic to do for gut health is the most common thing we see in clinic and it is SIBO so a lot of people I was gonna say C-bomb C-bomb yeah I know because our your boyfriend calls it C-bomb or, or, it's, or I've got the FODMAPs. <laughs> I've got the FODMAPs. Um, so, yeah, we're going to unpack it today. And so to be honest with you, there's probably a lot of people listening to this being like, what is SIBO? So firstly, it stands for small intestine bacteria overgrowth, mm-hmm. which actually accounts for around 60 to 80% of IBS. Yeah. So, so we want a rem- lot. Yeah, a lot. And we want to remind you guys that IBS is an umbrella word and it's mm. like a really – for lack of better words, really shitty diagnosis when you go to your doctor and you're like, oh, you've got IBS. Yeah. And you're like, well, what the heck do I do with this information? Yeah. Oh, here's some PPIs for your reflux. Here's the low FODMAP diet. And you go along and do your thing. And yeah. the patient goes away and tries to follow this stupidly restrictive diet, yeah. takes some PPIs and they're like, cool, I don't feel better. Mm. And or this, that just causes more issues. Yeah, or well, PPIs actually can cause SIBO. Uh, SIBO. I was going to say reflux. They can cause SIBO. Um, so this is what we see day in, day out. Yeah. And people have dealt with like chronic SIBO for years and yeah. it can manifest in all these other different symptoms as well. Mm-hmm. And um, it can cause a lot of harm on the gut yeah, as massively. well, when, especially when this has been going on yeah. for long term. So 
we're really just kind of going to get into, I guess, the overview and the like foundations mm-hmm. with what SABO is, mm-hmm. what causes this, what kind of symptoms this mm-hmm. presents with and what we see in clinic on a daily basis because it basis. is very common. Um, and just, yeah, really get into those foundations. So I think we're thinking of doing a part two. Yeah, we will do a part two, yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's such a big topic to unpack and we don't want to like overwhelm you guys with too much information today mm. as well. Like we'll try and keep it really like simple, like what is it, symptoms, mm-hmm. and then like kind of how we test for it in clinic. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to go through treatment. Yeah. Well, um, that's obviously very individual. Yeah, it is. As well, so we're not there's, going to. It is not just like too here you have SIBO and this is what you do. Like here's a magic pill. Here's a magic pill and you're done. So um yeah, it's very very much individualized. So without further, further ado, ado, what is SIBO? So I guess getting into the more sciencey side of things. So SIBO is actually an abnormal number of bacteria mm-hmm. present in the small intestine. Yeah. Um, which causes small intestine bacterial overgrowth. So it's actually often where the bacteria from the large intestine migrates into the small intestine. Yep. And that's what we'll get into with what kind of causes this as well. Yep. Um, but there's a normal bacteria. So they should be there, but they mm. should be found in the large intestine mm-hmm. where they ferment lots of our amazing different fibres. Mm-hmm. But obviously what happens when it comes up to our small intestine is mm-hmm. that it will start fermenting fibres where it shouldn't be. Yeah. And that's why often a lot of the time we can get these IBS-like symptoms. Like severe, well, we'll go through symptoms yes, soon. But pain, bloating. Everything. Yeah. It is horrific to deal with. Like if anyone's had SIBO or has it, it's, yeah, it's not fun. Yeah. So that bacterial fermentation with the starches mm-hmm. and fibres um, obviously can produce that gas, which actually can cause a lot of damage as well. Yeah. Or reaction to food. So, yep. um, yeah, I guess that's just a very brief overview of what SIBO is. Yeah. Do you have anything to add to that? No. Like, I mean, obviously we're going to go into a minute and all the signs and symptoms, but like that yeah. said, it's very base core what mm-hmm. SIBO is. And it's, it's definitely recognised by more health professionals these days. But if you might ask, like, I don't know, it's a weird one, like – I, I know, like, yeah, obviously doctors know about it, of course. So and, do dietitians, um, dietitians so do. and yeah. gastroenterologists. But I think, I mean, like anything in science, there's always emerging mm. evidence and information coming out and that's constantly changing. Like mm-hmm. even the low FODMAP diet from um, Monash University mm-hmm. was only developed, I think, maybe like 10 or 15 years ago. So yeah, it's very new. Like in general, dealing with gut health, there's always just yeah. so much more information coming out that we didn't know about, you know, five, mm. ten years ago. So I think that's why there's still such kind of a, I guess, misunderstanding yeah. of what SEBO is and how common it, like, it is with driving these yeah. symptoms Cause with IBS. A lot of functional GPs will treat it. Like we have a few that we refer to and obviously naturopaths and us mm. clinical nutritionists all treat it. And it's acknowledged by gastroenterologists, dietitians and doctors, but not necessarily treated. Like yeah, there are or it's treated with more like a, a low format diet, which can play therapeutic, obviously benefit with obviously restricting those yeah, what's well, restricting those fermentable mm. carbohydrates, you would notice a reduction in symptoms, but you're not necessarily addressing mm. all the underlying factors like, with what type of SIBO is, mm. what bacteria overgrowths are going on. Um, and not, it's generally not going to fix it to have following a low FODMAP yeah, diet. Like a, you, you would need, need antibiotics or antimicrobials yeah. to actually kill yeah. off the bacteria. Just restricting those over that time and you're obviously starting off all people, your bacteria. Yeah, like, or like a low format diet, heal me, like I'm not getting symptoms, mm. but that's because you're just – 
it's more symptom relief yeah. as well. Like, yes, it's starving off bacteria, which is good. It's not causing it to overgrow. Yeah. But that's why you're noticing such an improvement in symptoms yeah. is because you're not eating those obviously foods that are producing symptoms. Yeah. So, And this is why like also I, this is what annoys me actually one thing. I'll really – here we go. Here's going to Kirsty's rant. <laughs> Kirsty has I was going to say, rant. you know what um, does annoy me though is how you'll see in like different like cooking apps and things like that. There's like a low FODMAP option and like – it's almost like selling FOD, a low FODMAP diet is like a diet that you can follow for life mm. and it's not. Like I refuse to put any FODMAP, low FODMAP recipes into our secret project because the, I'm like I don't want people just randomly being like, oh, I want to follow low FODMAP recipes because you're starving beneficial bacteria. Yeah. Like like these you don't fermentable want... carbohydrates are actually so important yeah. for your gut health and for producing beneficial bacteria yeah. or feeding that bacteria too. So if you've been told to go on a low FODMAP diet – it, that's not your answer, especially if you've got SIBO. Well, it should be very acute or short term. Yeah, 100%, yeah. not long term. But we want to get into more specifically what is yeah. driving that. So, yeah, I guess the biggest thing is abnormal amounts and amounts of bacteria in the small intestine yeah. is what SIBO is. So our gut obviously functioning and how it should work is obviously having things like a stomach acid production mm-hmm. or that hydrochloric acid in your stomach should mm-hmm. be killing off um bacteria Mm -hmm. and so and then we also have our migrating motor complex or Mm -hmm. mmc functioning which helps with sweeping out bacteria too so obviously there's all these kind of physiological processes that are happening in our gut to prevent this and guess what inhibits these or stops them from working very well stress Stress. which is everyone (laughs) why do you think SIBO is so common um yeah so i mean like things like your migrating motor complex so as i said that's your mmc Mm. so that's like a normal cleansing kind of like wave that sweeps through the small intestine and it happens every 90 minutes in between meals so um obviously if you're not having enough break between like your food or letting Mm -hmm. your stomach obviously digest and that sweeping action to happen Mm -hmm. that can even cause um, obviously bacterial overgrowth of bacteria to stay yep. in the small intestine yeah, um, and then and it not being swept out. Yeah. And the same with the low stomach acid production, obviously it's not getting killed off in the stomach and then it can mm. overgrow in the small intestine. Yeah. And, and that's where like PPI use and things like people just who have long-term chronic reflux and just get prescribed PPIs and mm. their stomach acid obviously reduced, then this is where it's a massive cause of SIBO. Is Absolutely. Reflux medication. So if you guys have been prescribed a reflux medication and you've been on it for a long time, then yeah, you need to go actually fix the root Understand cause. Understand what's, driving, yeah, what's yeah. driving your reflux. Like medication is not the answer long term. It's a great yeah. band-aid, very, very short term, but do not stay yeah. on that long term. Absolutely. Even, you know, what's crazy on a side note is like on the actual, like if you look at the different long-term side effects of like, um, PPI use is things like um, increased risk of cancer and things like that, like mm. stomach cancer like it's but lots of people just literally get prescribed this here you go and, and not told of the side effects no and also just not being given a plan being like I say stay on this some some GPs mm. are really really good but a mm. lot of people I do get like come see us who have just been like yeah I've just given this and just told to take it forever mm. like yeah, solution. there's no there, there's no plan. No. Or also there's I mean, understandably obviously with GPs, obviously you have a short period of yeah. time. So you have to be But they need to be referred to a like a nutritionist or a dietitian or alongside side. to support that dietary yeah. intervention and treatment plan to actually yeah get to the root. Or a of gastroenterologist it. and yeah, get of course. And colonoscopy, endoscopy and actually like I said, also making sure there's no H pylori or anything like that going on causing that reflux. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. That's yeah. Yeah. 
it's an important point though. So yeah. we'll get in in a little bit. We'll get more into the type. Mm. I mean, sorry, not the types. We'll get into like the the big drivers. Mm. Um, but yeah, essentially with SIBO, it can be divided into like well different types in terms of yeah. different, which will produce different symptoms. So you. There's IBS. I mean, IBS. What am I saying today? There's SIBO, <laughs> diarrhea, which accounts for around forty yeah. percent, and then SIBO more constipation prone, which yeah. accounts for around thirty five percent, and then you have mixed, which yeah. is constipation, diarrhea, which is around twenty three percent. Yeah. Um, and essentially, there's different types of SIBO. So you could have a more hydrogen based, yeah. methane dominant SIBO, methane, um, or both hydrogen and methane, or a mm-hmm. hydrogen sulfide. Yeah. So this is why testing is so important. Yeah. Um, to understand what is driving your SIBO because there's different yeah. treatment approaches for obviously each um individual person. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. So yeah, it's really important to understand what type. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. Do you say hydrogen sulfate as well? Yeah. Sebo? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, those are the types. Um, and then getting into symptoms. symptoms. Cool. So very commonly you'll see one of the biggest symptoms we'll see with typically Sebo. Now, obviously it's not always black and white. Like not everyone is going to present with the same symptoms. Yeah. Like obviously if you have the constipation dominant or um, diarrhea dominant side of things. But one of the most common symptoms you'll see is that bloating and distension Mm -hmm. now usually we'll see this once again not black and white but like 1.5 to two hours or pretty immediately after eating you'll notice that distension Mm. where you're like feeling like your pump your max would be like 1.5 to two hours so yeah yeah like pretty quick after eating food and that's why like in our consults with clients we always want to know the nitty-gritty i think sometimes when people come in for a consult like oh why so many questions and it's like they're like i don't know when i get bloated (laughs) i just i'm fucking bloated all the time oh the job i know it is hard to pinpoint it's funny though after people come back after their first yeah, they're consult so they're aware. like i've noticed this and this yeah. and this and this they'll email notes. me and be like oh my god i forgot to tell you this as well and they were like, like oh my god i didn't so realize much i was so bloated or i'm so gassy and like <laughs> yeah so bloating is a big one massively yeah and like I'm not talking like a little bit of bloating like after a meal. It's like, That's like a normal, to normal. Have a, a small amount. It's of like you feel like, I mean, it depends on how bad the SIBO is. Like some people might only, they might not get huge, huge amounts of mm. bloating, but typically you'll see like you feel like you're literally 30 weeks pregnant if you've got really bad SIBO. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that bloating is very noticeable. Same with gas. Yes. So really bad gas and yeah. it can be depending on what type of SIBO, SIBO yeah. really stinky. Stanky. What type of odor is it more mm. like a rotten egg, like sulfur producing, mm-hmm. or more methane mm-hmm. kind of producing as well? So that can tell us a little bit more yeah. too. The smell of your farts. Um, <laughs> get get into that. Not everyone has altered bowel motions, no. but a lot of people do either present with more constipation prone or diarrhea. Like one of my poor patients was stuck on the toilet. Like she'd have to like literally, if she was jumping on a bus, she would have to figure out where, like a to- not on the bus, but sorry, she's. I'm combining two stories in one. If she walked into a cafe, she'd have to quickly assess where the nearest toilet was because her mm. diarrhea was that the bad. Urgency. The urgency. And then the same with the bar. So since we've fixed her SIBO, she was like, do you have it changed my life like i used to freak out about hopping on a bus going to work it honestly is debilitating though like like it's literally like living with a disease like dealing with SIBO like it is so debilitating and if you're like dealing with chronic bloating and like and obviously with your gut and brain there's such a direct interlink with that even how it affects your mood and mental health it's just like hence why it needs to be investigated and understood and when people like when we fix it or solve it 
um, or massive reduction in symptoms. Like people are literally like, I cannot believe how much better I feel. You've changed mm. my life. Like I don't know how I dealt with this fucking thing for so long. Yeah. Well, so, that's yeah. the thing. It becomes like people's normal, these symptoms, mm. and they don't realise how good they should feel. Or they until, could feel, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then, yeah, the abdominal pain can be associated with SIBO. Mm-hmm. Nausea is a big one. So like you might think you're pregnant but really bad SIBO. Um, and then the reflux is another one. Yeah. Um, flatulence. Flatulence, which we've already gone into. Um, excessive burping can yeah. be some, a symptom as well. Or like belching, yeah. Belching. Oily stools, um, which is more a sign of like fat melt mm. absorption. So this sounds really like there's nothing TMI on here, guys, but like it sounds really gross. But like if you're not absorbing fat, it'll make your stools really sticky. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah. That's a very common symptom. Um, also, it can cause more like leaky gut or mm-hmm. increased intestinal permeability mm-hmm. due to that bacteria. So this can present as well. In a with, lot of things. Yeah, in a lot of things like inflammation, but also with food allergies or food mm-hmm. reaction when you have that um, leaky gut. So that's why lots of people are often reacting to yep. a variety of different foods, but especially high yep. FODMAP containing foods. Yes. So if you've got this is or I'll even histamine, foods. histamine, yeah. So I'll never forget when someone was like, "I've got the FODMAPs." One of my clients said this to me, and I was like, "What do you mean you've got the FODMAPs?" And they were like, I've "I react, heard of that. I react to FODMAP foods," and I was like, "That's likely. It sounds like you probably got SIBO, but that's a Did very." I actually think that was what it was called. Yeah, like I've got the FODMAPs. FODMAPs. Oh. It was so. Funny. That's so funny. <laughs> so like if you're reacting, this is where people think like, oh, I just react to high FODMAP food. So I just got to cut them out and just not eat them again. Like, mm. no, that's not the case. You need to figure out what's causing it. And it's likely, not always, but it's yeah. likely going to be SIBO. Yeah. So that's when you need to fix your SIBO and then you can reintroduce all your high FODMAP foods back in because they're yeah. so good for you. You don't want to restrict yeah. them. Um, and it is, of course, very restrictive also mm-hmm. following that long term. So not only is it important for your gut microbiome mm. to thrive, but it's also important to, you know, enjoy yourself and have yeah. a variety and diversity of foods in your diet and not have to stress about what foods contain what. But, yeah, 100%. I think lots of people do think they just have all these food sensitivities. But It's the most common question we get. Can I, do you do testing for, like, what foods I'm intolerant to? I just need to cut them all out. Yeah. And because that's the issue a lot of the time people are investigated for food sensitivity testing, whether it's like an IgA or IgG Mm. um, test. And it can, if your gut's really inflamed, it'll come back that you're reacting obviously to so Mm. many different foods and then people just cut all these foods out. When you're not addressing the answer. Yeah. And then once again, that's a highly restrictive way to deal with it. So And then it cascades into disordered eating and fear around food because they're constantly scared. They've been given this list of like, 30 foods that they are reacting to so then they think they need to eliminate all them and then they're like i can't eat like x Mm. y and z um and then they're constantly stressed and then that just exacerbates their gut issues even more so yeah absolutely um and then another one can be um joint pain and brain fog but that's also more associated with that intestinal permeability picture um Mm. as well so those are your very common symptoms of SIBO. Yeah. And then I guess some additional clues, mm. which are the less like mm-hmm. generic ones, is what can give us a greater indication if you're actually reacting to pre or probiotics. Yes. So this is a big one. another mm. one that a lot of people are like, oh, I've got gut issues. I'm just going to like go buy a probiotic and that's just going to fix my gut issues. But a lot of yeah. time, yeah, like Nicole saying, if you actually have SIBO, you're going to make yourself Because it actually can obviously be fermenting that bacteria too. Mm. Um, actually from like a uh, stomach infection or like gastro, um, mm-hmm. can, addition, like can drive SIBO. So if mm-hmm. you've had gastro and then you've, um, never recovered since mm. that's definitely something to look into. Yeah. With, cause. yeah. yeah. 
um, if symptoms actually improve on antibiotics, mm-hmm. like if you're taking anti- antibiotics for a non another health-related concern and okay. you actually notice your gut symptoms improve, yeah. um, obviously with the kind of prokinetic action as well mm-hmm. with antibiotics, that definitely um, could be a sign to look into mm-hmm. that. 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, fibre, obviously eating fibre obviously it's great for our gut health, but if you notice your symptoms worsen or the constipation actually mm-hmm. worsens from fibre, could be a sign. Yeah. Once again, as we're saying all this, obviously everyone's so individual. So yeah. if you know, if you tick a few of these boxes, then then we'll book in with. <laughs> book in with us. Book in with us. But yeah, obviously it's very individual. Um, and then also around sugar, alcohol, so erythritol mm. and sorbitol can be common triggers. Xylitol. Xylitol, sorry. Yeah. Um, and actually Salatol, interesting one. Sorbitol. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. You got there. Um, and even with people with IBD or celiac yes. disease, of course, addressing all these factors present with those different pathophysiology with those conditions. But say with a celiac, if you're following a very strict gluten-free diet, as you should be, and, and you, you still, still have like symptoms, that's where it's really important to look into your gut microbiome, but yeah. you could have SIBO as well. Which a lot of my or celiac. Or like damaged brush border enzymes due to mm. the, the celiac disease. Yeah, I've got a lot of patients with celiac disease I work with who have SIBO and reoccurring, well, and have come back, like have had reoccurring mm. SIBO because they're just yeah, more susceptible to Yeah, same. It's very it. common. Yeah. yeah. But that's the thing is like people with celiac disease. Because um, they also already have, I mean, damage to the intestinal lining or enzyme, like yeah. brush border enzymes. And yeah. obviously these things are needed to help that mm. bacteria sweeping and or killing off the bacteria too. But they kind of think it's just like their um, celiac disease and they're like, oh, I yeah. just live symptom. Like even though I'm a gluten freak strictly, mm. I just live with symptoms. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like there's something else going on. And sure enough, we'll do like breath testing, stool testing and... Sebum. Yeah, and yeah, and same with the IBD, obviously, depending whether it's Crohn's or ulcerative yeah, colitis, that will show up well. in lots of different ways. But you can actually, yeah, have intestinal dysbiosis or just imbalances in your gut microbiome mm. or more specifically SIBO too. That could be worsening the flare-up. Mm. So obviously that should be a part of the treatment protocols mm-hmm. with your management plan with IBD. Mm-hmm. Same with endo, like 90 80, 90% of women with endo will have IBS, mm. not always SIBO, but like we do, I do commonly see in clinic yeah. a lot of women oh, with so endo have uh, um, And there's SIBO. studies with uh, like women following low FODMAP diets mm. and the improvement with their endo symptoms. Oh, massively, yeah. Um, it's Especially, pretty crazy. It's really interesting if like their patient has lesions on their bowel, like endometrial mm. and, um, on their bowel, that obviously cascades makes gut symptoms worse as well. So. Yeah. Very interesting. Absolutely. Um, so we kind of just went into this, but um, other health concerns or health conditions that can be associated with SIBO with what the research mm. has suggested. Obviously, as we said, IBD and celiac, but even things like fibromyalgia. Yes, very common. Acne, diabetes, hypothyroidism, yep. non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, yep. diverticulitis. Yeah. Um, That's a big one. Acne I see in clinic. Like when I'm, we start treating my – like i got a poor patient at the moment – and um, she came to me with really barely bad acne and sure enough, she actually had SIBO. And mm. since we've been treating her SIBO, her skin has all cleared up. So yeah. like. Especially with the skin, it's such a direct yeah. reflection of what's going on on the inside. Yeah. So we want to understand what's yeah driving that. Yeah. And then actually, and then funny enough, I had another patient that we treated. She had really, we thought it was hormones and yeah, 
did all testing and came back with SIBO, traded SIBO and her skin literally cleared up within a few mm. months, which I wish happened more often skin because <laughs> skin's a hard one. And I was very stoked that her skin literally went from 100 yeah. back down to zero within like three months, which is amazing. But Yeah, skin healing definitely takes a lot of time. Mm. But I mean, obviously all the body systems are really interlinked. It could be driven by your gut and hormones, which yeah. are working together too. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why you always should investigate and get to 100%. the root. Um, so I guess the next point is what is causing your SIBO. Mm. So we'll kind of go through like the four main points. Mm-hmm. There's obviously kind of more under this as yeah. well, but this is kind of the most common. Yeah. Um, firstly, impaired digestion so Mm. as we said before a big kind of factor that can affect this is stress or being in that constant flight or fight response because that's when your body's prioritizing your sympathetic nervous system so all your blood is running to your muscles and prepared to run away from a tiger so that means that your digestion is put on pause essentially it's not prioritizing Mm. your digesting and absorbing food so that's what lowers your stomach acid um, production so yeah, when we look at impaired digestion, we want to look at things like your stomach acid production because mm-hmm. that's what obviously will kill the bacteria. Also, and things like overgrowing in the small intestine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then also leading to things like poor bile um, mm-hmm. production or flow, mm-hmm. low pancreatic enzymes, mm-hmm. so pancreatic insufficiency, which mm-hmm. we often test with with stool testing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is a very also, common cause. That's why it is good that we do breath testing and then stool testing because then we can see like yes, positive to SIBO, but then also like what's caused this SIBO, yeah. and that's where low pancreatic yeah so testing's amazing starting point um and then secretory iga deficiency yeah. as well which also we test with stool testing and a lot of time that's usually low due to stress and also low levels of beneficial bacteria yeah absolutely so that's a very common obviously you need that immune defense to fight off bacteria yeah and then impaired SI motility. So things that actually impair the motility and obviously damage to their MMC is a big one that we'll see mm. in clinic. Um, the hyper- so MMC is migrating motor complex, yeah. what we talked about before. Yeah. Okay. And then hypothyroidism is another one. So yeah. like someone might even have undiagnosed hypothyroidism, like their TSH might still be within range, but quite high, but mm. it's still going to affect the motility of the gut. Mm-hmm. Um, so making sure that the thyroid is optimum, um, obviously chronic infections as well is mm-hmm. a big one. Um, diabetes, mold toxicity and IBD are all different ones that will affect the motility. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Um, also like things like impaired outflow due to adhesions, which mm-hmm. might occur due to like abdominal surgery, mm-hmm. um, or also things like in endometriosis mm-hmm. with like laparoscopies yep. and things like that. So that can actually, um, affect bacterial clearance or bacterial clearance is blocked with these adhesions. So, yep. um, yeah, obviously important factor to look into as Definitely. well. And Last one. Medications. <laughs> Medications. So as we've kind of already said, um, PPI is big one. Like mm. you'll commonly see anyone with long-term use of PPIs will end up with SIBO. Not mm. There's not a direct like black and white cause and effect always, but mm. you a lot of time will see that. Yeah. Um, antidepressants as well. Yeah, certain antidepressants, antibiotics. Obviously that has a big impact on Massive our gut microbiome. One. That is like one of the most common things I will see in clinic is someone with reoccurring ear infections or tonsillitis as a kid and all through their teens on like antibiotics seven, eight times a year. Yeah. And then they're in their early 20s and they come see us and um, they've got SIBO. Yeah. Absolutely. And also level levothyroxine. 
Um, so to do obviously with your thyroid and that medication can yeah, impact. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just to be mindful now, we're not saying you need to get off your medication and be a, like, just, you know, be aware of it. And cause know. the biggest factor, sorry to interrupt. The biggest factor is like, you want to know what is driving it in the first mm. place to prevent that relapse from yeah. happening. Because so. otherwise it can relapse and relapse and relapse if mm. you're not addressing what's caused to SIBO in the first place. Like it's all good enough to be like, okay, I have SIBO, I'm treating my SIBO, mm. but what's actually caused it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so uh, getting into some things that SIBO can cause or damage um, within our gut mm-hmm. and this is what we often when we do stool testing mm-hmm. really understand that further. So microvilli damage, it can cause that increased intestinal permeability or what's known as leaky gut and as I said before, this can often heighten or cause more food allergies or sensitivities, yep. a reaction to foods. It can also influence things like histamine intolerance mm-hmm. And damage our brush border enzymes as well. Yep. Um, also, as we said before, it actually can impair your migrating motor complex functioning, so mm-hmm. that sweeping action, and it can lead to lots of nutrient deficiencies. So if you're noticing, if you, I mean, if you've got lots of gut health concerns, it's important to look into the whole picture, but especially like B12 mm-hmm. and iron. Biggest, big one, especially B12 deficiency, massive yeah. um, with SIBO. Yeah. So that's another thing. We might have some people with like, not actually too bad of symptoms mm-hmm. or they might not just be aware of their symptoms and but they've got chronic nutrient deficiencies and that's where we'd look into the gut and then sure enough they have SIBO because mm-hmm. that's another thing as if a practitioner like, like if they're chronically fatigued that's what they come to us for okay we looked where their bloods have come back with all these things really low okay well what's caused them to be low yeah. like they do generally speaking eat a pretty well-rounded diet What's causing this malabsorption? Yeah, and then that's where SIBO, because all your um, nutrients get absorbed, like your B12, iron, everything in the small intestine. So if you've got a bacterial overgrowth, it impairs the absorption. Yeah, and that actually can compete as well for, specifically with B12, the bacteria actually competes for the B12. Mm. Um, But also, I mean, things like iron, that's a big fuel source Mm. for pathogens, even with parasites. So if you've got chronic iron deficiency, like, you're, You're just, just shoveling multivar. Multivar or like Farragrad and then having iron infusions every six months and like you want to look into what is causing these. Just like to, you're actually causing more inflammation by it because like Nicole said, you're feeding those pathogens. Mm. So you just, yeah. And yeah, like you those, always want to get to the root yeah, of what's taking causing like, it. And taking those high dose iron supplements, just you don't absorb most of it. So look into a deeper yes and even aedk are other ones that can't be absorbed because of the fat malabsorption side yeah, of things soluble vitamins yeah <laughs> did a- you just say just started say? doing that you just said and a aedk oh yeah vitamins vitamins yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. um okay and then okay so how do you actually diagnose sebo so there is lots of functional tools that can be mm. used. The gold standard is a breath test. Mm-hmm. So the most common is a lactulose breath test, um, which can indicate if it is an intestinal like methanogen overgrowth or hydrogen or hydrogen mm-hmm. sulfide. So you can see exactly where that gas, gas fermentation is kind of happening in the small mm-hmm. intestine or large intestine. Um, but not every bacteria ferment equally. So that's mm. where you can also do glucose or um, fructose testing or all three if you want to be really thorough. Yep. 
the Lachlose is kind of the, the main way for that breast test to, yep. to really look into it. Uh, but you can do additional testing for things like your stool testing analysis. Like in clinic, we do use a lot of the time our complete microbiome mapping. Yeah. And as a trained practitioner, if we know exact symptoms we're looking for and mm. very specific bacteria we'll see overgrown in that complete microbiome mapping. Well, we and can, the phylum as well. Phylum, yeah. Then we can assume like it looks like someone very much should be like, yeah, they like look like they definitely have seabone. So what we might start doing is start treating and then we'll retest for the breath test. Yeah. See where we're at, what's going on. Have we eradicated it? No, still yeah. there. Like, so it depends. It also depends on someone's financial situation. Like, yeah, some people are not going to have the money to do breath testing and stool testing all one. Yeah. Um, some people who like had the most chronic condition, like of bad SIBO for years they've been to like different people and just always get given like wrong answers and all the stuff yeah. and they're just like you know what I do not care like I'm happy to do whatever testing yeah. let's do everything or it's the opposite and people have been mm. hesitant they're like well, I don't what's trust. gonna work this time yeah like, I don't want to pay any money like, not prove yourself but you know yeah. like you just want to do everything you can to like yeah. support them and show them there's more and then ways to help and then some people kind of just so used to their symptoms that they're scared to make changes as well. So you deal totally. with lo- so you work with lots and lots of different people. Um, and then and we're, we're here to support you wherever yeah. you're at. There's no wrong or right, no. and that's where we always will obviously tailor this to you. But yeah, yeah obviously microbiome mapping is great. It, it looks into the big picture well, with your gut functioning, but it also looks into things like your short chain fatty acid yeah. production, your digestive markers, because. Like, and secretory IgA. And you might be dealing with SIBO and candida or overgrowth and parasites and then really elevated zolulins with mm. leaky gut. And, and it helps us understand like with the treatment if it was SIBO of, okay, you've got really high zolulin going on, you've got low pancreatic enzymes, we can see that the enzymes and all of this can be a driver mm. for the SIBO. Helprotectin's so high and, and this secretory. This might warrant, then warrant a colonoscopy. And blood, endoscopy. mucus in your stools yeah. like... That's yeah. where it's really important to have both yeah. um, or at least one, yeah. And then other testing to consider as well is um, looking at like your liver function, zinc, B12 and iron panel. So kind of like we spoke about before why they can be really low mm-hmm. in SIBO or an issue and that's where it's like we just have to look at the full picture. Yeah. Um, and we've already gone through still testing. That's pretty much it. I oh. think that's a nice little summary into what – Look at us, 33 minutes. <laughs> It's the quickest episode we've done. Usually we ramble. I know. But we'll definitely do a part two with actually um, getting more into the – Different types. Different types, how we can treat that in clinic. Mm. But, um, yeah, the biggest thing to take away is it is very individual. So Yeah, we can't obviously give out too much information on this podcast because it's individual. Yeah. So, but, yeah, we hope that like just really like probably a few people are sitting here today being like, oh, my God, this is me. I have sebum. <laughs> I've got the FODMAPs. <laughs> so, like, if, if you do suspect you do have – you think you have SIBO, like, please, A, do not go – like, there's so many supplements. Like, I know – I can't remember the brands, but, like, there's quite a few big companies online these days that, like, talk about, like, like literally sell it to you being like, you don't have – you've been told you've got IBS. You don't have mm. IBS. You have SIBO. Like, right or right, like, take these. Mm. Like, I know there's a place that does, like, antimicrobials and stuff. Like, yeah, it's still people are self prescribing mm, antimicrobials, or like, which is like the worst thing yeah, you can do. It actually can do more harm, harm than good because at the end of the day, they kill off all your beneficial bacteria as well. So, like, you yeah. need an exact right dosage and specific type, and like, stru- like types, types of, of yeah. uh, sorry, antimicrobial types of, um, and also 
the dosages and everything. Time frame of how long you need to take. Yeah, and where you bring in other things. Yeah, it's it's just yeah, it's so complicated. Honestly, like when we first started learning about this years ago, we were like, oh my god. (laughs) And it's always so much to learn. I think as any practitioner, you're constantly learning because there's always new research coming out. Yeah, and And also like you wish it was just as easy as like okay, this um, this practitioner, this patient presents with SIBO. Here's a pill. Here's some dietary things. You follow this, and voila, you're fixed. But it's yeah. wish it was that simple, but it's not. And people are so complex because you're also dealing with a human, not a robot, yeah. and they have so many other complexities going on. And they might also be dealing with acne at the same time and depression and like all this yeah. other stuff. And then they've got all these family issues going on at home and like you know financial troubles. And you know you're taking in such a complex case. Yeah. So like it does take time, but look, we do have our gut repair program. Um, and that's specifically like tailored, well, for the individual. Yeah. But the biggest thing is it's just there to structurally, structurally support you because especially in gut work, like there's a lot about going back and forth with each other. Mm. You need a lot of support, accountability. Like you need to be able to email your practitioner being like, update, update. I need help. I'm shut myself today. <laughs> I can't go to the toilet. Like, do you know what I mean? So we um, work on a three or a six months. To be honest with you, most people with SIBO do need six months. Um. It doesn't mean that's how long it's going to take until you, your symptoms improve. No. But as in for long term to prevent it relapsing yeah. and to and just, really get to the root. And you can't just go like like you need to have groundwork based diet first before doing things as well. So absolutely, yeah. Like when you think of say, I always use this um, analogy with my clients as well. Um, I think Jess Cox actually always we did one of Jess Cox's course. If you don't know her, she's a nutritionist. She's amazing, but she refers to like the building blocks of like a house, and mm. it's such a good way to explain like that's mm. the framework. Like you always need to start with that with the foundations of your diet, and then you add the furniture in. Furniture in. Yeah. Once you've done that groundwork, which is just such a great way to put it, because you can't start getting into all these like you know, crazy People. things, treatments straight away without yeah. having the base foundation of a healthy diet because yeah. your symptoms may improve really drastically yeah, by 100%. just having a, a healthy diet. Yeah. So really if you're dealing with chronic gut conditions and you've had like a colonoscopy and descopy or even if you haven't been down that track and you, or you've been told you've got IBS or whatever may be happening and you're sick of feeling terrible, book in for initial consult or you can book in for a 15-minute dis- complimentary discovery call mm. if you just head straight to our website. And then what I'd suggest you do is yeah, book in for initial consult and then in the consult we'll go through an in-depth analysis of your main health concerns, past health mm. history, diet analysis, and then we can assess, okay, three or six-month gut protocol um, that you need to put on. And then obviously we work one-on-one with that practitioner, so Nicole, Alex and myself. And then in that, within you know, weeks, we'll be doing some stool testing or breath testing or uh, if we feel we like need to, we might start with just blood testing mm. um, or sometimes it's just starting with diet for a bit. So it's so dependent on the person. They might what person- you're needing. Yeah. And what feels right for you. As we yeah. said, we're all very different well, in yeah. our needs, mm. whether it's lifestyle or Mental well-being and things like that. Yeah. So we'll always tailor and adjust that to oh. what feels right for you. Well, we, I always say this to my patients, but we work with like people of all walks of life. Like we work mm. with like 20-year-old or 18-year-old females. We work with like you know, a few 60-year-old male clients. I've got a 70-year-old beautiful client. Yeah, like, like we work with lots of women in their 40s and yeah. 50s, 30s. Like we walk – so we're always adapting to people's life. Like we, you can't be a good practitioner yeah. unless you don't. So – don't let like the fear of, I guess, like, oh, I'm really busy or I have a full family. I can't change my, like, you know what I mean? Like there's so much that can be done. And just the biggest thing is making you yourself your priority yeah. to feel your best. Cause that's 
I think Colin and I were talking about that this <laughs> yes, morning. Yes, like, me. I think, yeah, it's funny because Kirsten and I were talking about this morning and we've definitely spoken about this on the podcast mm. before. It's where your priorities are when people say, I don't have time or yeah. all the kind of things that un- underlie why mm. we shouldn't be I don't doing have time something. or I don't have money is the most common excuses. Yeah, and as Kirsten often says, like you're just not making a priority, which is definitely true. But I think when you break that down, I've even reflected about this mm. myself, especially in the past is – I think where your priorities lie is also your value in putting yourself first. Mm. And a lot of the time we're here to put everyone else's health mm. first or prioritise everyone else and we put ourselves on the back burner and yep. we it's almost like without getting too into it. But like, you know, with your self-worth, like knowing yeah. you should feel your best, like you yeah. deserve to feel your best, you deserve to put yourself first. Yes, it may be an investment at the moment. Maybe it's scary to make yeah. change, but it's an act of kind of that self-love and self-care because you want the absolute best for yourself and, and you deserve it at the end of the 100%, day. And that's where a lot of people don't. They don't value themselves enough to mm. want to put themselves first. And they like, you know, like, you know, I work with some patients where, you know, it is a really big push for their family to be able to like work because it might be just a sole income family and mm. like they're used to putting their kids and everyone else first and they're not working at the moment. Mm. And like, even though the husband's really supportive being like, no, you deserve to feel good. They feel mm. guilty because like, oh, I'm not bringing in income. I shouldn't be allowed to go work on my health like I'm not worthy of this but at the end of the day if you're coming from a half empty cup you yeah. can't be there for to be the your best family mom. or if you're working as an employee like yeah. whatever it is the best can't. girl the best partner the best like wife the best mother mm. like all of the above like you really need to put yourself first so mm. it can be really really scary to put like that investment um but I mean, we're not even expensive <laughs> comparatively. I've heard some practitioners what they charge is like insane. Yeah. Um, I feel like we probably undercharge what we actually should. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, like everyone, yeah, is entitled to feel their best. So if you're sick of dealing with gut issues, yeah, check out our gut repair program. Um, and yeah, you can book them with myself, Nicole or Alex. Um, I'm just thinking anything else. But I hope that guys answered your questions. Like I feel like SIBO is a really big one that a lot of people don't know about. And yeah. when you start to understand, okay, this could be the cause of my IBS is like, and when you start feeling better, like just what we see on people's face, it just makes it so worth it, doesn't it? Yeah, there's so much that can be done. So <laughs> um, stay tuned for next yeah. week's part two. No, no, it won't be next week. Oh, part two. It'll be sorry. coming in the weeks. <laughs> next week won't be part two. Um, uh, no, we've actually got some really good episodes coming in the coming weeks and stay tuned for endometriosis in like three weeks. And we've also got like postpartum depletion and we've also got Alex coming on to talk about her personal story, mm. overcoming an eating disorder, which is going to be a really raw, beautiful episode. So mm. I'm really looking forward to sharing that one with you guys. Um, but yeah, anyway, enjoy the rest of your day, guys. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to leave us a review. Um, and if you guys ever have any episodes you guys want us to talk about, let us know. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm just thinking anything else. And yeah, stay tuned for Pure Health Clinic opening and Pure Health. Oh my God, I cannot believe I've fucking been spelling. Okay. Just as a side note, guys, anyone who knows me, not a great speller. And there are a lot of grammar Nazis out there, which is okay. You do you. Like, I'm just not good at spelling. Anyway, and <laughs> I've been spelling this whole time, which I'm actually annoyed that someone hasn't pulled me up on this. I've been spelling fucking secret. Secrete. Secrete this whole time on I Instagram. I can't wait to release my secrete profile. <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly, I couldn't care less if I spell something wrong. But when it's like an emphasis on like something You're exciting, I'm like, oh, my God, that's embarrassing. But anyway, so, <laughs> yeah. All right, well, enjoy the rest of your day, guys. Um, we'll talk to you soon. and. Yeah. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.